I'm going to go ahead and go right into the service so you, piano, you guys can be dismissed there. And anybody out in the foyer, if you go ahead and get them on in ushers, we're going to go right into the service here. Everybody get your Bibles. Let's all stand and turn to pay, uh, page, turn to uh, Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to read our scripture and then get into the service this evening. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity to preach. I'm going to go ahead and switch over. Yes, if you're going to the... Spanish translation room, you can be dismissed because you won't understand anything in here, all right? And uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, Hebrews chapter number 10, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to preach in this pulpit and again the opportunity there and uh, definitely a privilege and a good day in God's house. And I, I was thinking about this morning, all the visitors on the buses, and uh, we had Goldfish Sunday today and had a great time. As you say this, and there's no goldfish that were eaten today, and there was reasons behind it. You ask the bus captain, he might tell you. Uh, but no goldfish were eaten today. Um, but the creek got an, a little bit of extra goldfish out back, and so they were swimming around and out into nature. They probably won't survive because they're goldfish, but uh, we let them go, some of them go uh, there. But every child went home with a goldfish today, had a great time uh, there on the buses, visitors in. So praise the Lord. Good day to be in God's house. We thank him for that opportunity. Hebrews chapter number 10. We're going to read two, um, two portions of Scripture, starting in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verse number 24 and verse number 25. And I want to be a help to you tonight. And I want, I, my heart's desire is honestly to encourage you. But sometimes to encourage, you have to rip a Band-Aid off a little bit. And, uh, and for some of us, including myself in some areas, uh, this is going to be a, a time where a Band-Aid is going to get ripped off. And it's going to hurt a little bit. But sometimes we have to hurt before we can heal. And that's a process in the Christian life that you learn. You hurt and then you heal and you store your strength in from it. So I want, to be a, I want to be a help and try to encourage you tonight there. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 24, verse number 25. I want you to just follow along as I read. And I'll read out loud and you just read silently. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, verses 24. The Bible says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, into good works. Verse number 25, well-known verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. Look what it says there, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I want us to read that verse out loud together. Everyone read it out loud together. Verse number 25, ready, begin. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now turn over to Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14. I used this verse in a sermon a few Thursday nights ago, but I want to go back to this portion of Scripture. It's ama always amazed me how many times a portion of Scripture can have multiple truths and multiple thoughts out of it, how God can work in different areas through one portion of Scripture. We're going to go down to, for time's sake, we're going to go down to verse number 23. I'm going to read it out loud as you read along silently. And the Lord said unto the servant, we know the story here, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Let's read that verse together. Verse number 23, ready, begin. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. 
And I want to try to encourage you this evening out of these two portions of scriptures. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the message this evening. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless. God, I pray that you calm my heart. God, calm my mind. Help me to think as you want me to think, dear God. God, I hope, pray that you'd get me out of the way and help your people to hear your word. And God, if anything, help to be a challenge to every one of us. God, I pray this tonight will stir our hearts to do more for you, not less for you. God, I fear for the Anchor Baptist Church. I fear for its people. God, I pray that you'd help us to sincerely look at ourselves and look at what you've given us. And in thanks to God, look at what could be lost if we're not careful. And God, I pray that you'd do a work in our hearts this evening. God, thank you for the missionaries that are here and visitors that are here with us this evening. And God, I pray that you just help the service. And God, will give you all the glory for it and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Luke chapter number 14. And I'm going to read verse number 16, starting verse 16. You follow along as I read. I'm not going to give you the title of the sermon. The title is going to come later. But I want you to, if you please can, and listen, I understand this world, how busy we get. Can we take the next 45 minutes to an hour? And can we forget about everything going on around us? Let's seriously, take your mind. Let's forget about everything going on around us. Let's, let's focus on God's word. How many times even myself, pastor, in a service, I get, my mind is going in four or five different directions when I should be focusing on God's word, what he has. Yeah. And I find myself doing that, and I stop myself in the middle of service and go, God, I, I can't think about that. God, please work in my heart now. I need to focus. Yeah. I need you to do something. And I, I pray that you'd be that way this evening. Luke chapter number 14, verse number 16. We know the story, but I'm going to read through it. And we'll get into the sermon this evening. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and made many. Verse number 17. And sent his servant at supper time, and to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five ox, uh, yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, I want you to focus on that, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, and the halt and the blind. And the servant said unto the Lord, It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled." What a well-known portion of Scripture and a great truth behind that Scripture. And no doubt we see, as you know, this is a picture of our Savior in, in God's house. We see that. God, God we, we talked about it here a, couple weeks, uh, a week ago when I was preaching how 
Everything week to week is prepared for God's people to come in to spend time with Him. Everything's made ready. Everything's been prepared. The work has been put in. And sometimes it happens that people don't come. And so we're out constantly trying to find more people to bring in that my house may be filled. Can I say this and we'll get into this? God's desire, God's desire, listen to me, God's desire is for His house to be filled. There's no reason to have a house of God if it's not going to be filled. There's no reason to have a place that we come and assemble together if we're not trying to get more people to assemble together to God's house. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, and then at the end of the verse, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The more wicked this world gets, the more we ought to run to God's house, listen to me, not run away from God's house. Tonight, I'm going to reveal an enemy here at Anchor Baptist Church. This enemy sits among us every service. And I'm going to expose this enemy tonight. Tonight we're going to expose this enemy. This enemy will live here week in, week out. And if we as a church don't do something about this enemy in our church, it's going to be the downfall of Anchor Baptist Church. He finds his way in here every week. He slips in unaware. He comes in, doesn't say a word, but he's here every week. He causes more trouble than it's worth every single week. He mocks our faith and criticizes our God, blasphemes God's word every week. This enemy has been known, whether right or not, to cause preachers to resign their pastorate. This enemy has been known to discourage and batter and war make uh, warn preachers just decide it's not for me anymore. I just need to, I, I might as well just step down. This enemy has done that to our churches. This enemy never agrees with the preaching, but always plainly disagrees openly. And I hate to even call out his name, but I must tonight. Because as a church, if we don't desire and get a grit inside of us, listen to me, a grit inside of us, a determination inside of us to fight this enemy that is amongst us every single week, then a year down the road, and two years down the road, and three years down the road, there won't be in assembling together in Anchor Baptist Church. But the enemy will be here like he always has been. I want to point this enemy out tonight. And tonight this enemy is going to be going on trial. He's on trial tonight. I'm going to expose him tonight. As you would sit in a courthouse and listen to a person being accused of an awful sin, Maybe something treacherous, absolutely tra disgusting. And you would sit back 
and think about the things that were done and go, that disgusts me. The sin makes me angry. The sin infuriates. By the way, notice how I said the sin. I didn't say the person. The sin infuriates me. The sin stirs me up. And once, once, uh, makes me want to do more right for God. I'm going to expose this enemy of Anchor Baptist Church tonight. If I can get you guys to bring him out. Every week, this enemy is here. Listen to me. And every week, this enemy mocks our Savior. And every week, this enemy blasphemes our God and mocks the preaching and mocks our faith. And every week, this enemy slowly destroys our church, if not exposed. And Christian, the enemy of Anchor Baptist Church, is very simple. The empty chair in Anchor Baptist Church. Listen to me. The empty chair in Anchor Baptist Church is the enemy of this house of God. It's the one thing that will slowly discourage every Christian around here. And that empty chair mocks our faith and mocks our beliefs every time. I see it on a Sunday morning when the people of God ought to come to the house of God. And we go out sowing and bring people in. But as in the story, he bade them to come, but they had excuse. And we come to the house of God every week and we sit in here to sing the praises of God. And we sit in here to hear the word of God. And we sit in here wanting to encourage the Christian around us. But there he is. The enemy of Anchor Baptist Church. The empty chair. Can I say this? This chair has never done anything for God. I want you to listen to what I said. This chair right here, those chairs beside you that are empty have never done anything for God. Pastor, these chairs have never one time told someone about Christ. And these chairs have never one time said an amen inside a service of a, I agree with the preacher with God's word. This chair right here has no faith. This chair right here gives no praise to our Heavenly Father. And this empty chair right here does nothing for the cause of Christ. And this empty chair, and the empty chairs in the Anchor Baptist Church should be looked at by the members of Anchor Baptist Church as the absolute enemy and the downfall of our church if we don't fill that empty chair. If we don't put a soul in that empty chair, that can do something for God. If we don't put someone in an empty chair that can say an amen to the preacher and I agree with God's word. If we don't put someone in that empty chair 
If we don't put someone there that can serve God with all this heart and come down and use an old-fashioned altar and tell us all about Christ, that empty chair will be the end of the life of Anchor Baptist Church. That's the enemy. We're so busy fighting battles amongst ourselves when slowly the enemy is multiplying in our church. And slowly this enemy right here, this empty chair, this enemy right here is multiplying and becoming a bigger voice in the Anchor Baptist Church than the amens in the Anchor Baptist Church. If we're not careful, these empty chairs in this church will become the biggest voice that anybody ever hears in an Anchor Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. You know why? Because the empty chairs will outnumber the people in the chairs. A visitor comes in on a Sunday morning. They sit down and the service starts and they look around and go, well, there's a few people. You know what that empty chair just told them? We don't really believe in the old time religion anymore. You know what that empty chair just told them? Is that God is a, uh, I might go to church today, God. You know what that empty chair just told them? Is that people really don't believe like they used to believe. That empty chair is speaking volumes to people that walk in the store. And as the time goes, that wicked, no good, doesn't do anything, never helps anyone empty chair will discourage you right out the back doors of Anchor Baptist Church. Right out the back door of Anchor Baptist Church. The enemy. The enemy of Anchor Baptist Church. This chair mocks us every week. It's a bad testimony for our Savior. It's a bad testimony for our Savior. I said it once before, but it's never led anyone to Christ. It's never walked someone down the aisle on a Sunday morning. That empty chair has never said amen to the preaching on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or Thursday night. That chair, empty chair, has never one time said, Preacher, I agree with God's word. I agree with what you're preaching. Never said it one time. That empty chair has never helped anybody. And that empty chair has never encouraged anyone, but only discouraged everyone. He's here every week, and he sits, and he stares. Every week, he sits, and he stares. Down in the lower floor of our auditorium, there's 136, sorry, excuse me, yeah, 136 chairs. In our entire auditorium, uh, there is right at, uh, yes, 200, 200, I did the math and now I can't remember it. It's about 220 chairs in our auditorium. You know how many people were in this auditorium this morning? On a Sunday morning? On a Sunday morning? In the auditorium. I didn't say in the, pro, in the auditorium. 75. 75. You do the math and tell me how many empty chairs that is. God's desire is for his house to be filled. I want to explain to you that this empty chair has never done anything for God. This empty chair will never teach a Sunday school class. 
Listen to me, this empty chair will never teach a Sunday school class. This empty chair will never tithe. This empty chair never helps clean anything up around here. This empty chair never gets on a bus. This empty chair never talks to people and greets people in the church. This empty chair never brings a visitor to church. This empty chair never goes out soul-winning. This empty chair never says amen or oh me. This empty chair never comforts anybody. Never comforts anybody. This empty chair, it always discourages and never, uh, never helps in the nursery or encourages anybody on the problem. The empty chair. The empty chair. More, listen to this. Listen to this. More sins happen. More sins happen because this empty chair exists. More sins happen. More wickedness is taking place because the empty chair exists at Anchor Baptist Church. This empty chair sends more people to hell every week and never passes out of track. When I look at an empty chair at Anchor Baptist Church on a Sunday morning or any service, I think to myself, what if a visitor was sitting there, they had a chance to get saved. But there's no visitor. I can't lead the chair to the Lord. I can't try to help the chair. The chair doesn't need help. It just exists. It's there. More souls die and go to hell in the Columbus area because there's empty chairs. Listen to me. In Anchor Baptist Church, there's empty chairs. Listen to what I said. There's empty chairs. And until we as God's people, listen to me, until we as God's people and members of Anchor Baptist Church get desire that God's house be filled and get, a, get an anger and a hatred toward every empty chair that we see on a Sunday morning and want to put somebody in that empty chair, a soul that can get saved for eternity. That empty chair is going to do nothing but multiply in the Anchor Baptist Church. It's going to do nothing but discourage people in the Anchor Baptist Church. It's going to do nothing but be a bad testimony in the Anchor Baptist Church of old-time religion and a bad testimony to the things of God and a bad testimony to the love of God and a bad testimony to our city. God cannot use an empty chair. We said, God wants you to use our church. God, we need you to help our church. Fill that chair. Amen. Amen. Fill that chair. And God will start to help Anchor Baptist Church. Because I can't do anything with that chair. But, and God can't do anything with that chair, but God can do something with someone that sits in that chair. The person that sits in the chair. God can help them. God can use them. God can further the ministry with the person in the chair, but not the empty chair. God desires, desires that His house be filled. God desires. He wants. He begs. As you saw in the story, He said, go out and tell them, tell them to come in. They say, okay, go back out to the highways and hedges and tell them to come in. I want my house filled. Amen. 
I prepared. I, I've got, I understand, understand, Christian, every Sunday and every service, the love of God is here waiting to reach out to someone that needs the love of God. And the blessings of God's waiting to reach out to and, and the salvation of God is waiting for someone just to ask so he can go in and indwell them like we talked about this morning and save them and use them and help them and guide them. But he can't do it with the empty chair. It's now ready. But there's the empty chair. Jakai, if I can have you sit right here for me. That empty chair right there, no matter how much you try, no matter how much, listen to me, no matter how much you pray, that empty chair is never going to do a thing for God. But this one can. This one can go out soul winning. I feel the chair and this one can read God's word. I feel the chair and this one can start praying. I feel the chair and this one can help out in any ministry around here. I feel the chair and this one can say amen to the preaching. I feel the chair and this one can tithe. I feel the chair and this one, listen, this one can, 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 can read his Bible and understand God's word and, and grow in him and be a part of the ministry and reach lost souls and continue working for God. This one can do that, but the empty chair can't do that. And here's where I'm guilty. Many a Sunday. sit up there and I look at the empty chairs and here's the thought. Who did you bring? Who did you bring to fill an empty chair for God? Who did you bring to help the cause of Christ? The love of God is ready. Salvation is ready. And God looks down from heaven on a Sunday morning and goes, I, I have it, it's ready. My man has the sermon prepared, it's ready. But I can't do anything with that. I, I, can't, I, I can't save the chair. I can't bless the chair. I got blessings I want to give to my children, but I can't bless the chair. I got the love of God, but I can't give a love of God to the chair. I've got to give it to a person, a soul, a living soul. Amen. And every week, this chair mocks our Christianity. God's desire is for every chair and every spot in this auditorium, His house, to be filled. The filled chair goes soul winning and the filled chair works in the ministry and the filled chair encourages and the filled chair can sing praises to God. And the filled chair can pray for souls and people of God. And the filled chair can say amen. The filled chair can work on a bus on The filled chair can help a brother in Christ. And the filled chair can, uh, can, 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 uh, can work uh, for God and do great things for God and be a testimony for God. But the empty chair can do nothing can do nothing. 
if we're not careful. We've become really relaxed. With the people. At Anchor Baptist Church. Oh, we don't want anybody new to mess things up. Uh, we, we, we don't want anybody coming in that's kind of, you know, I want to sit by my friend every week. I want to sit in the same spot and I don't want to have to move. So, so please don't bring any more people because then I might have to move. We like to have that elbow space. And God forbid we fill up a row <laughs> with six plus people in a row. And you don't have your elbow space. This is what we become. Now listen to me. Whether you're going to accept it and agree with it or not. If you're honest with yourself, you say, yeah, you're right. But is it hot in Burma? Is it? Praise the Lord. We don't want too many bodies in the Anchor Baptist Church. Because you know it'll get, it'll get hot in here. You know, too much hot air. Too much rubbing elbows. Uh, just, just for the pleasure, just too, too many people. I don't like being around a lot of people. See, we come up with the excuses. Excuses. Of why we don't want to, you know, I, Brother Pledger, other people can go out and get other people to come. But we don't need that many people come to come on, at one time. You know what you're saying when you say that, basically? Yeah. Is, Pastor, there's really not a lot of people that need salvation anymore. You know, they're pretty much all saved. Been here 34 years. They're all saved here in Columbus. Oh, yeah, we got the hilltop. It's whooped. <laughs> we, we got it whooped. It's, it's, they're all saved. <laughs> they're all saved. We don't need to bring any more of them in here. Oh, we don't need to run any more buses because, you know, you know, we don't need one, but we already bring in enough. I'm counting chairs. <laughs> we, we, we don't need to start because we bring in enough. I'm counting chairs. I see empty chairs around. I see places that people need to be sent to hear the word of God. And people need to come in to see God do something great in their life. And people need to come in to hear the gospel and get saved. I see empty chairs around here that we need to fill for God. The empty chair is going to destroy Anchor Baptist Church. The empty chair mocks what we say we believe every week. We get up here and talk about God's house being filled, but there's empty chairs. We say we've done our due diligence. And we've, God, we've done our part. I, I've served you. I've done my part. But there's empty chairs. The Bible tells us Go to Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. Amen. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies yes, sir. a living sacrifice. 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, Brother Pledger, I, you know, I've been teaching a Sunday school class for 10 years. You know, shouldn't I get a break? Well, Brother Pleasure, I've been on a bus route for, you know, five years. Get him, Pleasure, get him. I think I need a little bit of a break. Get <laughs> you mean your reasonable service? You mean your entire life as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for God? Well, Brother Pleasure, I, I've done my part in the ministry. Well, Brother Pleasure, I go out sold and cabin, I've done enough. As long as there's an empty chair. Listen to me, as long as there's an empty chair. In Anchor Baptist Church, we're not done reaching Columbus. Listen to me, we're not done doing a work for God. We're not done going out zoning because there's empty chairs that are doing nothing for God. I'm tired of pulling chairs out of the auditorium because we need to make space. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having too much room going down these aisles. It's just not skinny enough. It's not tight enough, Pastor. We need more chairs. We need more people. We talk about doing more for God, but we won't bring anybody into the house of God to hear the word of God, to learn about God, to be trained for the ministry of God, to go back out and do exactly what you were taught to do and do exactly teaching others also. That empty chair, if we don't look around here on the service, not just a Sunday morning, but a Sunday night and a Thursday night, and every time you come in, it's not, well, you know what? There were a few people were satisfied. Well, there was enough, you know, two or three are gathered together. There's enough, so we're satisfied. Until we get that grit inside of us that says, we want to fill this house for God. We want to fill up every single chair in here. We shouldn't have an empty chair. Just say that chair is not going to do nothing for God. That chair is not going to do anything for, the, for, the, for, the, for eternity for God. Nothing. Downfall. The downfall. It's going to be an empty chair. Why does God not have his houses, his house filled? Why is God's house about half empty tonight? See, we spread out, make it look fuller, right? It's about half empty tonight. Why? Why? We see it in Scripture. Go back to Luke, chapter number 14. Verse number 18, and they with all with one consent began to make excuse. You know what our society has enabled us to do more now than I feel like we've ever done over the littlest things? Let's make excuse. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, I think I might. <laughs> I have a runny nose. Uh, yeah. uh, wow. So I can't come. Because I might, I might, maybe, have COVID. Oh. 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 
You know, I'm a little tired. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to be able to help this Sunday because I'm just, you know, a little tired. Well, you know, I've been going out every Saturday for like two months straight. And you know, I'm just like a little tired. I want a kind of a day to myself. Can, can I say something without sounding really harsh? Please. Please. Listen to me. I'm all about the family. I love my family. I love spending time with my family. But for pushing off God for my family, the thing God's blessed you with. We walk away from God. Okay, can I ask, is it, ready? I love having family days. I love it. I love having family days. I love taking the kids and going and having fun. But at the risk of losing the one that gave me that family. At the risk of a soul dying and going to hell. We don't play with our own souls, but we play with a lot of souls of other people. Because we want to feel comfortable. <laughs> we want to feel relaxed. <laughs> and you know, we've been kind of under the pressure a little bit, preacher. We want to just take a break just for a weekend. And then a weekend turns into two weekends. And then a weekend turns into three weekends. And then a weekend turns into every other week. And then a weekend turns into... Why? Excuse. 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 What if you were the family living on the hilltop that has nothing? Amen. No electricity in the home. No food to speak of. No AC, no heat in the wintertime. Nothing. Wouldn't you want someone to stop by your house? Think about a few years ago. We had some of our bus kids that lived in the crawl space in their home. You heard what I said, the crawl space. After church, I'll bring you over here to this door, and you crawl underneath and look underneath, and that's about what they're living in. And they slept there, and they played there. In the wintertime, that's where they were at. Summertime, that's where they're at. What if that was you? Would you want someone coming out on a Saturday knocking on your door saying, Hey, hey, I got a place for you in the house of God. I want you to come. Hey, I got a place for you on my bus. I want you to be there. Hey, I got a God that loves you and cares for you and died for you. I want you to come. Wouldn't you want someone to do that for you? But we start to make excuse. Let me tell you something about excuses. Number one, excuses are plenteous. <laughs> oh, we got an excuse for everything. If it's not too hot, it's too cold. 
If it's not too cold, it's just right. And if it's not just right, it's just not a good day for me. I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And if it's not just that, it's just something else. I, I have to figure out something else just to make sure that I cannot be there. When there are people all around the world that hide and sneak to get to the house of God to hear the word of God. And we can't drive a car down the street and come into an AC building and sit in a comfy chair and come to the house of God. We can't go out on the street and witness and talk to people about Christ to get and fill that empty chair when we have no worry about someone trying to come and kill us for preaching the gospel or someone trying to throw us in jail for carrying a Bible. We have no worries in America, but America's churches, the chairs are becoming more empty and more empty and more empty and they're going to be the downfall of our churches and the downfall of Anchor Baptist Church. Amen. The enemy... Simple. It's that chair. And the solution is simple. Put a body in that chair. Put a living soul in that chair. Put someone in that chair that can possibly make a difference for God. Excuses. Number two. Excuses attract. <laughs> Excuses. Excuses attract excuses. As a, as a youth pastor, when I'm talking about an activity, you almost sometimes have to weed out the ones that are going to be the in the party. <laughs> because as soon as they give an excuse of why they can't come, the other one gives an excuse. And it's like a trickle effect. So when, I, when I'm excited about it, I, I encourage all of them down to the discourager, and then I tell him last, or her last, either one. I get everybody all excited and ramped up about coming, and then I tell the one that I know is going to be the one that's not going to want to go. They're going to have an excuse for something. You know why? Because excuses attract excuses. And when we keep making excuses for why we cannot go out soloing, we make excuses why we can't be in church, and we make excuses why we can't get someone in that empty chair, listen to me, all it's doing is attracting other excuses. Here's how it starts. One Saturday. One church service. You know what? I just don't think we're going to go tonight. And I have an excuse. I have, I, have a le- I have a legit reason. Legitimate reason. I have a reason. It's a good one. And here it is, ready? And God understands. And God understands. He knows why I'm not going to be in his house this morning. He knows why I'm not going to go out soul winning. He knows why I'm not going to be in my place. He understands. And one excuse attracts the next week and another excuse. And it snowballs effect. And the snowball effect of excuses starts taking place. And pretty soon, li- listen, 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 listen. And pretty soon, if you're here one, one day a week, all because of excuses. And we blame it on the things that God blessed us with. 
I married a wife and I cannot come. I bought a land, I need to go and see it. You know, you know what they're going to say? God, you blessed me with the land, so I'm not going to go to the wedding, I'm going to go see the land. Ready? God, you blessed me as a family, so today I'm going to stay home and enjoy and relax. But thank you, Jesus, for blessing me and my family. How pitiful does that sound? Excuses attract excuses. Number three. Excuses are not excused by our Lord. I'm just not feeling good. That doesn't change the fact that you did not go to the house of God. It's like, it's like you know, I wasn't feeling good, so I just shot the guy. I'm sorry. Because you're not feeling good, you shot the guy. You're still going to jail for murder. You still did wrong, whether you had an excuse or not. You still did not obey. See, we think obedience is obedience and disobedience is only if I don't have an excuse, you know. I, I don't have an excuse, and so now it is disobedience. But because I had an excuse, it's obedience, and God's okay. No, God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That my house may be filled. God told every Christian, to come together to the house of God yes, every single week. Yep. Excuses are not excused by our Lord. Number four, excuses begin with only one. Excuses begin with only one. We tell young people all the time, don't fall into the trap once. So once you fall into the trap, it's almost got you. You do it once, it's easier to do it again. You do it once and, and, and the devil's got a hold of you. And the same thing when it comes to the house of God and our excuses. Well, I'm just, we're not going to go once. You know, 30 years Let's just skip one time. Two years, let's just skip once. You know, we've had a good track record so far. Excuses begin with one. Number five, excuses affect, listen to this, our outcome. The saddest things. talking with parents that have children that have done their own thing is trying to when they come to you and they have this look like what did I do wrong and in your mind you're going I want to tell you that you haven't been in church for two months Amen. come on now come on. you pulled your child out of everything they should have been at and every time they should have heard the word of God, you pulled them out and, and you didn't let them go and you pulled them out and you said, you know, we're not going to do that, we're not going to do that. And then we say, what did we do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. They heard God's word less. Yeah. They were inconsistent. Yeah. One of the things I tell a parent that has a child that's gone astray 
is at every length you stay consistent. Don't give them a reason. You stay consistent. You be in your place. It better be known by that child that every Sunday my, my, my dad and my mom, they're going to be in church and every Saturday they're going to be outside and no matter where I'm at in life, I know where they're at. They never had the excuse. Excuses affect the outcome. I didn't say if you don't have excuses, the outcome is going to be perfect. That's not what that's saying. But excuses do affect the outcome. The empty chair. Excuses have allowed this enemy to thrive. I didn't stutter. Thrive. Let's be honest. Thrive at Anchor Baptist Church. Church member, thrive. Thrive. It's time that we determine as Anchor Baptist Church that enough is enough. And that this enemy has taken over. And we're not going to allow it to be the end of Anchor Baptist Church. Because if and when we are long gone, that enemy is still going to be here lurking. And that empty chair that never did a thing for God, that never worked on a bus route, never led music in teen Sunday school, never led a soul to Christ, One of my fears as a father, like other places that we've, we, we drive by all the time, is to drive by the Anchor Baptist Church and look to my son and say, I remember one day we went to church there and the doors were open. I remember the days when people were saved in that building right there, the house of God. But the only thing left in that building, guys, there's a bunch of empty chairs. Never one time raised a hand to bless the Lord. And Jenner one time pulled out a soldier's New Testament and said, Hey, can I tell you about Christ? That empty chair never one time said, Amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. Amen, preacher. I agree. Yes, Lord. Yes. The chair never did that. That empty chair does nothing but send people to hell every Sunday morning that it sits empty. One today died in this area. It could have been sitting right there. I could have heard the word of God this morning. They could have had the chance to come down to an altar and get saved. Two, could have heard God's word. Could have gotten saved. Three, 
Could have gotten saved. Could have got their heart right. Someone that used to go to church got away from God. Could have been this morning if that chair was filled and they came back to God and resurrendered themselves to God. It could have been that chair. Could have been this chair. Could have been this chair. But it was empty. And it produced nothing for eternity. Every Sunday. Say, what can I do, Brother Pledger? What can I do? Number one, and I'm almost done. What we can all do is this. It's during the invitation time we can come down an old-fashioned altar. And ask God to forgive us for the excuses. Beg God to help us and give us another chance. Beg God to help us find someone to fit into that empty chair. And find someone to bring to church so they can get saved. And find someone to bring to the house of God so God's desire for his house to be filled can take place on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night. And come down and ask God to forgive us for where we failed him and where we said, (laughs) God is my reasonable service. What? No, you're not. It's your body. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which dwells in you. (laughs) And you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life, the ransom for me. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Anchor Baptist Church. Amen. The members of Anchor Baptist Church need to get on our face before God. Tell them we're sorry. Amen, Amen. God, we failed you. Come on. God, we desire for people to get saved every week at Anchor Baptist Church. God, we desire for your house to be filled. God, we desire for every chair, this auditorium to be filled with a soul that can do something for God. We've got to come with a hatred, a burden, an anger towards the empty chair every week. Every time you walk by one, you ought to, some society ought to say, man, we've got to get things filled. There's a lost soul that needs to be there. Got to get it filled. We say, God, we need help. God, we need laborers. Fill the chair. Be about your father's business. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
My job is not to panic about things I do not know. That's right. Amen. But my job is to focus on things that I know that God can help me do. And if I can fill that chair and then 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 fill that chair and fill that chair. And those are more people that can help do the work for God. And it just starts with one. Filling one empty chair. Number two. Get a hatred for the empty chair. Desire what God desires. Make His want your wants. God wants everyone to be saved. God wants His house to be filled. God does not want excuses. Remember, what are you going to do about the empty chair? You know, it's Sunday night. We're going to get done. We're going to be dismissed. We're going to go about our way. We're going to come back Thursday and see what we can do again. Is that, is that what church has become? Is that what our life in Christianity has become? I guess I got to go to church because it is Sunday morning. I guess I have to be in the house of God because, you know, I do have to go teach a Sunday school class, so I guess I better be there. Do you really have to have a job in the house of God to have to be at the house of God? And when you don't have a job to do, then I don't need to be there. By the way, all that shows is that you're not a servant. You're there for a position. You're not a servant. We're there because now we have a duty. By the way, which having a duty around church is good. Because when you're discouraged, it keeps you going. But we're not supposed to stay there. Remember, in Grab's church, what are you going to do about the empty chair? It is the worst <coughs> testimony of our churches every week. Never even says a word. Oh, but it speaks volumes to everybody. It never contests you openly. But it makes everyone second guess God's word. It never one time stands up and says, I disagree with you. But quietly and silently, it tells everyone that walks in here, you know what, this God thing, this, this church thing, I guess it's not important anymore. You know, I guess we don't need to be there anymore. Other people don't show up. Why should I? Come on now, get him. Come on. Other people don't come. So why should I be there? The empty chair. The enemy of Anchor Baptist Church. The enemy of Anchor Baptist Church. There ought to be some people in here tonight that come to this altar and say, God, with your strength, no more excuses. No more excuses. Why I can't go out and get someone to come to church. No more excuses why I can't feel that chair. No more excuses.
God, I desire what you desire for your house to be filled. Tired of a thing mocking me. Mocking our Savior, more importantly. So what are you going to do about it, Christian? You know what an empty chair says? That we're lukewarm. We have become lukewarm. Because the truth is, if we took count here today and we set up only that amount of chairs, there would still be empty chairs every service. It's sad. Our Savior and all He's done. The empty chair. What are you going to do about it? Anchor Baptist Church member, what are you going to do about it? He's going to show up next service, ready to fill my spot, and do my thing, and go home. While there are gaps everywhere, space everywhere. Well, Brother Pledger, if we start filling this place up, then I'm not going to want to sit by certain people. So you really love the Lord, don't you? Hmm. I'm glad he didn't say on the cross as he's being nailed, hey guys, step back a little bit, I need my space. He gave everything. He gave everything for me and you. He gave everything for his house. He's prepared everything for his house that it may be filled. The enemy of Anchor Baptist Church is that empty chair. Head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around.